welcome to you. It's uh, good to be with you. Uh, a number of us, we were at our dear friends up at, in Coleraine at Causeway Coast Vineyard over the weekend. One moment. Yeah, excuse me. Um, we're at Encounter More, the conference that they run. It was just absolutely brilliant. For those of us who were there, you know what I'm talking about because you were there and you experienced uh, just this presence in a really deep and profound way, a life-changing way. And we were reminded again just how much, not just that he loves us and cares for us deeply and knows us intimately and all of that, but that he fills us with his power and his presence. And it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose that we might see the kingdom come now here on earth. And it's about changing lives. And one of the phrases they use all the time is uh, it's about changing the city, which uh, slightly frustrates me because we live in a town. But we'll take it, won't we? We'll, we'll claim that still. And, and that God's unique destiny and design is upon us as his people to change people's lives through his power and through his presence. And we were so encouraged by being there. We're fired up and ready to go again. And, and I just wanted you to know that. Uh, a couple of other things before we kind of kick in to what I have to sort of say this morning. First thing is, is when Chantel mentioned the baptisms, I felt like there are probably some people in the room who that's been coming up time and time again. And you kind of think like, oh, I think I'd really like to do that, but I'm just not sure. If that's you, it's probably time to just bite the bullet and get a wetsuit and, well, love to dunk you. You know, because I kind of just felt like for some people, you need to nail your colors to the mast. You need to say, this is, this is who I am and this is who I'm for. And, uh, and I kind of felt like I needed to say that. And that's not being coercive. That's not an arm up the back job, right? Ne let's never go there. Uh, but it was maybe just that little bit of encouragement to perhaps get you over the line if Jesus is the one who's speaking to you. And then the second thing that I felt prompted to talk about this morning before we dive in is this wonderful piece of traditional, um, I'm looking for a fancy church word, uh, holy, yeah, anyway, I, it's, our, it's our giving box. Oh, <laughs> some of you, that's come as a surprise. Um, <laughs> yes, we do give here at Carrick Vineyard. And just briefly to say on it, it's we, we deliberately don't highlight it because we deliberately don't have an offering. Many of you will know that. And we do that with our guests in mind. If you're our guest here this morning, we don't want you to come and feel like, oh, flip, I've got to dip my hands in my pockets or my purse and find some loose change and throw it in and, and all the rest. We don't want people to feel uncomfortable about giving. But at the same time, as the people of God, we have experienced what it's like to be generous, to be wholehearted in our giving towards him. It's our offering. It's part of our worship. And uh, not only is it part of our worship and our offering and giving it back to Jesus because it's him who's given it to us in the first place, but it's an investment in the kingdom now. An offering was taken up last night to bless our dear friends, Alan and Catherine Scott, who are leaving with us, two beautiful girls, to go to the States. And uh, you could kind of see that and go, oh, 
That's not what the offering was about. The offering, if we can bypass that, we see that it's an investment in a family who have had a tremendously profound effect on this nation and in other nations, and they're being sent by the Father to a big and influential nation of the States to go do the kingdom stuff there. And so it's an offering and investment into that, not into them as individuals. And I want to help us to unpack and understand that our offering, while it is to him first, it's an investment in the kingdom. Investment in the kingdom. That's what we're after. Without changing the city or the town. Although we do like to tell people that Carrickfergus was once the capital before Belfast came in. Is that right? Us historians know true of that the ships didn't have too far to come when they came in right and they just stopped off at Carrick instead of going all the way anyway that's another geography lesson we're not going to get the maps out stop Paul get on track here we are good morning and welcome says my notes we've done that (laughs) we hope that you enjoyed our break last week in our series uh, entitled acts acts uh, actions speak louder than words uh, it was just fantastic to hear all the stories about Ethiopia and all the rest. And the one thing, I wanted you to know this, we were totally gobsmacked and encouraged by. Um, Eleven more children were sponsored last Sunday. Isn't that amazing? And it, and it certainly wasn't any of our intention to drive towards that. And we, we didn't give a hard sell or any of that stuff. We just told stories. We just told stories of life change and people's hearts, your generous hearts, were so compelled to want to do that. And that kind of goes back to what I said just a couple of minutes ago. So anyway, we're back on to action speak louder um, than words. And last week, uh, this is a prompt for Elaine, come on up. Last week, a team of crazies went out Thursday morning down into our our radical market, our weekly market in Carrickfergus. And uh, Elaine, tell us what you got up to. So Carrickfergus from Yard took uh, Carrick Market by storm. Um, and what I was amazed at, I haven't been in the market from I was told they were from maternity leave. Um, and when I walked into it, God, I, after about you know a short time, 10, 15 minutes, God really spoke to my heart. And he was a whole community of people that engage with each other around this market. And with the market traders and the relationships the market traders have with their customers, it was just something special. So a team of about 10 or 12 of us went down. Um, and I think uh, if, you, if I asked these people now, they would say, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, but about a half an hour in, I looked around, and these weapons were just having these conversations all over the market, carrying around t- you know, trays with teas and coffees and buns and honoring people and saying, would you like a free cup of tea and coffee and bun? That was it. We weren't allowed to preach a three-point gospel for three days in it. We were going out just to connect with people and give people the space to have a conversation. And one of the things that I kind of realized was there's a lot of older generation who for some of them, it was very clear that that was probably at the market was the highlight point of their conversation where they met people that they meet there every week. And there's a wee community sitting waiting to have God's imprint um, put in there by a simple cup of coffee and a cup of tea. 
So all those that were went out with us that were maybe going, we can't do that, we can't cause people. Well, they laid that uh, skepticism at the door of the market because they were with us, having, saying hello, just chatting. And I'll just tell one short story that I had um, with a, a couple, an older couple who come up to me and um, sometimes I do feel like I've got that thing telling me your life story. I, I, I just asked them how they were and they shared this difficult life that they've had. They were probably in their 60s and retired um, and they shared many stories and I just listened. That's all I did. I didn't say anything and at the end I just said, and they shared about he had MS and she shared that she had a frozen shoulder and I simply just said, I'd really love to pray with you. Would that be okay? That was it. Nobody took me to a Bible school to learn how to do that. And I simply prayed, God, may your kingdom be on these people. And I, I, I prayed for his MS and I prayed for his shoulder. I gave them a hug and said, thank you so much. Go have a nice little summer in prison. So I guess what I want to say this morning is people in our town are dying just to know the goodness we know, just to talk with them and to make that imprint that God's left for them. Simple as that. Thanks very much. Brilliant. So uh, this Tuesday night, I'm sure this is uh, this is on your fridge at home with a magnet, um, is uh, our Unsung Heroes and Business Giveaway. Tuesday evening at 7.30, meet down at our venue, and uh, another team of people are going to go into our community. They're going to go and bless the Unsung Heroes. Going to see if there's any emergency service people around in the community, and uh, give them some treats and say thank you for the way that you serve our community. We're going to go to the uh, nursing homes and different places where people will be staying. And again, going to knock on the door, say, we're the guys from the vineyard, and we're just here just to say thank you so much for the way in which you serve. And anyone else that we come across along the way as well. So if that interests you, you're free Tuesday evening. Get along, get down to the venue. Tuesday night, 7.30, that would be tremendous. We are already, time is a promise. We are in Romans uh, chapter 12. Uh, we've got a few verses, and then we're going to dive into what we feel God wants to say. To recap, two weeks ago, we talked much about spiritual gifts, as it was in the preceding verses in Romans 12. And I wonder just how many of you went away after that uh, to really ponder and to discover what your spiritual gifts are. And I said, we ask God what they are. We ask our friends, what do you think are my gifts? Uh, we ponder what we do naturally anyway. And uh, for some of you, doing an, uh, a spiritual gifts test is going to be really helpful in uh, telling you that. I wonder uh, how many folks got a, got a chance to do those things. But anyway, uh, we're into the next part of the chapter. Paul is writing to the people of Rome, the church in Rome, and he says these words. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. My word, what a lot we could say. What just a few simple words and yet deeply profound. Let's dive in and uh, have a look 
add a few things. Um, first of all, we say everyone gets to play, don't we? Our culture here as a church is everyone gets to have a go and do things, and we really want folks to sign up and be part of the team and serving and finding your unique destiny and design that you would serve. And that's why we talk about spiritual gifts, because it's really important that you understand how God has gifted you, what the passion is that he has given you, and that you begin to step out into those things because you find your unique fit. Some of the conversations that some of us are having with you is trying to just tease that out and ask you, and uh, that you're asking the Lord, and you're asking other people, what is it that I'm made for and meant for? But here's the word of caution. Love must be sacrificial. It cannot be done out of a sense of doing it for just doing its sake. Uh, I'm going to be really honest with you. Sometimes I find it frustrating as a leader, as, as, as your leaders, when, when uh, we, we just so want everyone who's part of our church to be really involved and really serving and really giving of themselves and just committed in that way. And granted, there are good reasons why uh, sometimes that's not possible, and that's absolutely fine to do. And... Um, and yet, we can never push or encourage in such a way that it is coercive. And that you end up doing something just because you feel like you ought to do it. And that, because that's just the worst kind of way of kind of serving. Love must be sacrificial. It must come from the heart of what God um, has done Paul writes to uh, the Corinthians this well-known passage that gets read at weddings. It's bang smack in the middle of where he addresses the spiritual gifts of all things. To the Corinthian church, chapter 12, he talks about spiritual gifts. Chapter 14, he talks about spiritual gifts. Bang smack in the middle, deliberately, he talks about the greatest gift of them all, love. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels... But do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And what we might see on the surface as being good or selfish or holy if it's not done from a place of genuine love that doesn't touch it with Jesus. So how can we make sure that our love is sincere and it's genuine? Firstly, we come back to the beginning of Romans chapter 12. We do it by the renewing of our minds. We love because he first loved us. Secondly, it comes on to the next bit. We hate what is evil and cling to to what is good. We make sure that we have a right view of what evil is and the epitome of goodness is God himself. And it's through relationship with him that we know what is good and what is bad. Uh, you will have heard me say this, many of you before. When I became a Christian at the age of 16, uh, my lifestyle and behavior uh, was not what it ought to be. 
when I became a Christian, and, and, and it was in the process and the time where I went to church and we did worship like we do worship, and I just encountered the presence of Jesus, and I was undone from the inside out. And no one told me, Paul, actually, you shouldn't be doing, and as you know, I'm, you can imagine, X, Y, and Z. No one actually told me that or rebuked me in that way. No one judged me in that way. But they just pushed me towards relationship with him. And as we fall in love with our Savior, he changes us from the inside out. And what we thought and what we felt was attractive in the eyes of the world no longer seems to be attractive any longer. And it didn't have that same grip and that same power. The thing is, when we don't make God our God, we will find a God in someone else or something else. And that will take us to places and people that we don't want to go. How do we keep our love from fear? By focusing on the unexpectedness of it. Let's take things just a little bit deeper. Paul pushes the idea of sincere love uh, further when he talks about being devoted to one another in love. And some versions would use the term brotherly love. It's this kind of a close kind of family uh, kind of love that we're meant to have within the body of Christ. And um, one of the ways in which we can be devoted to one another is by honoring one another above ourselves. Or the ESV translation says to outdo one another in showing honor. This should really be in many ways the, the only kind of competitive thing amongst ourselves is how can we outdo one another. Uh, in Countermore, I met up with my, my old pastor, his name's Mike, and um, we were catching up and just having a chat, and it was, ju- it was, just, it was just really lovely. Just the guy has had profound influence on my life and effects, and I remember as a young 20-something, he just epitomized outdoing me. Like he just loved to outdo us. On the one hand, um, he would love to ha- like have arm wrestles with you for some reason. It was a male bonding kind of thing, you know, and, and he would let you win. And it was only later on in life that I realized that that's what he was doing. And then there would be times when he might take me for coffee or take me out for lunch or whatever, and he would never let me pay. It was so frustrating. It was so annoying. You'd like try and sneak up and uh, pay before you know he paid, and you'd only find out that he's already paid. It's like, oh no! And he would always be doing this, always trying to outdo you by honouring you. But so the kingdom. Remember what we said before. The kingdom is always contrary to what the world speaks of. What does the world say? It's all about me. Look at me. Love me. Respect me. If I do this and I achieve this in my life, then I'll have gained your approval. That's what the world teaches. But the kingdom says, you are amazing. The kingdom says, I respect you. I honor you. Here, have my spirit. You go first. Honor and affirm one another. When we take the focus off ourselves 
our needs, our desires, our places, and we kind of put others before ourselves, we become much more content in our own lives and we take ourselves a lot less seriously than we ought. It also governs and affects our language. It ensures that our language is wholesome, is encouraging, truthful, honoring, and loving. And it guards against gossip and slander and backbiting. When we prefer one another and we're devoted to one another by following Jesus. Paul writes, never be lacking in zeal. What a great word, zeal. I was thinking about that this morning. There's not many words beginning with Z, even, are there? I mean, you remember the, when you had kids and you had the alphabet up on the wall? What was Z for? It was always a Z book, wasn't it? So we've got a new word. The other one I could think of was zest, that, that soap. You ever have that soap, soap called zest? It's like a really lemony kind of thing. So we've got zeal. It's a new word beginning with Z. Slightly random, I know. But keep your spiritual fervor. What another wonderful word. I mean, we don't use zeal and fervor in life, do we? Fervor, serving the Lord. The word fervor or fervent, Paul used literally means boiling. Boiling. A pan of water needs to be placed over a flame in order to fry the material. And the flame that we need is the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. Giving up, we're serving, we run out, we need to be going back to him and allowing him to be the flame that gives us our passion again. Again, I go back to the last couple of days. Those of us who were there, we encountered more of him. We encountered more of him. It's that spiritual fervor that he gives us, which gives us zeal to go do the stuff. How do we do that? Spend time in his presence on our own. How do we do that? Whatever disciplines work for you. Worship music in the car, listening to a podcast, going for a walk, solitary retreat, meeting someone for coffee, reading the scriptures, praying through things in a systematic way or as the Lord leads, whatever it might be. Sundays at church, positioning yourself, Coming, being there, being present in worship, coming forward at the front of church after the service or remaining where you are and just simply saying, would you pray for me? Would you guide me? Just invite the Holy Spirit to be the flame that I need in my life. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. These three things go together. That's reaping the benefits. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Joy is not just about happiness. Joy is not just something that, oh, such and such, they're a really positive-minded kind of person. They seem to be upbeat a lot of the time. Joy is much deeper than that. In summer 2005, London was uh, announced as the host city for the Olympic Games. Um, I don't know if you ever remember that, but uh, and a few other 
walking celebrity that they might um, they might praise you about this that amazing landing from the bigger place and then the following day was seventh day of fasting very next day is one of the darkest days of David's life you go from one extreme which is in the natural world of great joy and celebration to despair and decay joy is the garden of repentance joy is something that comes only from knowing who we are and where we are going the firm foundation the hope that we have in Jesus given to us again uh, a brief story my friend Mike um, who started along with a number of other people a wonderful ministry called Soul Survivor it is a a gathering or multiple gatherings of thousands and over the years now tens of thousands have come in with a profound impact on many many young people's lives mine included and um, it was a 20 year celebration I don't know two three four years ago been going for 20 years and Mike was interviewed and sort of, you know, lots of questions about the time over those years and what he'd seen God do. And uh, one of the questions he was asked was, what are your regrets? Or what is the thing that you, if you could go back and do it again, what would you do differently? And he said this, he said, whilst we saw many young people come to know Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, be impacted and empowered by the presence of Jesus. Whilst we saw great healings and people set free, that was wonderful. But the one thing they didn't do, what the one thing that they failed to do was equip young people that life is going to be tough. And they never prepared them adequately that hardship will come. And therefore, when life got tough, these fired up Christians, not everyone made it. I guess we could look at the parable of the sower, couldn't we? When we look at the, the seed uh, you know, falling on different types of ground, then hardship and strife came. People fell away. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Life is hard. We will be afflicted. Testing from the Lord will come. Temptation from the devil will come. Hardship and suffering are part of the kingdom now, not yet. But what else did Jesus say? Take heart, I have overcome the world. Patience in affliction. Christians who have experienced the most darkest hardship and persecution, there are many stories we could read, I have one, but I may not time those in those places of affliction who have called out to Jesus and cried out to him have joy regardless of circumstance as they are patient in affliction as in the third point of that one sentence they pray continually calling out to the father lastly share with the Lord's people who are in need some practice hospitality Share the love. Share it amongst ourselves. Have people round. Share it with people in our community who don't yet know Jesus. So 
sow some brief things and then we'll stand and we'll worship. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, the one thing I just need is a touch from the Father again. I need to know my stuff again and again and again. And I know that I can. This week, let's put our best by serving in whatever way that God has for us. Join us on Tuesday night. Those of you who can make it, go have a go. You'll have a lot of fun. Perhaps this week you're going to ponder how can you use your home and your possessions to bless and encourage others.